Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to learn tips, tricks, and stories from other investors in the field. If you feel we provide a value to you, go ahead and hit that thumbs up, share, whatever it may be. And if you'd like for us to cover a specific topic, let us know in the comments or reach out to us through our website. Today, we have a very special guest, so buckle up, grab your pen and paper, and enjoy the ride. And we are live. Joe, thank you for jumping on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. We already talked about this before the show. I want to go out there. It sounds like a a great area. Um, To get us started, why don't you uh, tell everybody, you know, who you are, where you're from, and kind of how you got into real estate in the first place. Well, I'm originally from Alabama, uh, and I joined the Army right after high school at the age of 17. Traveled the world. I was in the Army for over a decade, and uh, as I was telling you, my background is in human performance. But one of my students, when I was a combat instructor in the Army, he got me into real estate investing. He showed me how to do like a residential investment analysis. And so in 2014, when I got back to the States here in Colorado Springs, uh, I bought my first real estate investment property. Uh, I leveraged my VA loan and bought a triplex. And then just several months later, I bought another one. Several months later, I bought another one. And I started realizing I can make more money in real estate versus the army because I was intending to retire the army, make it a career. But obviously, it can be a very stressful job. Um, Got out of the army, bought a property management franchise, Got the experience of failing in business that first year. Nice. Uh, I'm a licensed realtor, but I bounced back. Had that tenacity, kept going. And now here I am. Got you know real estate portfolio, real estate firm, and uh, some other business operations that are ongoing. Wow. So you uh, your career spans pretty much everything that a man can do in uh, in real estate. So that's uh, that's that's good good wisdom to pull from for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So you got started, um, you said 2000 and what was it, 13? Uh, 2014. 2014, you bought your first triplex um, down, where was it, down south, you said, down uh, Georgia? No, nah, this one's, uh, the first one was actually in Colorado Springs, downtown Colorado Springs, which is a great area. That um, is. Yeah, I, I have some in Alabama where I'm originally from. Nice. So you got started, you bought a few uh, triplexes, um, first triplex, then the second and the third. Uh, you realized it was a good good route to go. Um, you went in, you started doing other avenues in real estate investing. You started a property management company and you tasted you know, your first little bit of failure, which everybody has to have. I mean, if you don't have that, then you're not a real estate investor. Um, <laughs> and now you're, you're investing. And uh, you, before the show, you mentioned that you were also looking at international real, real estate yes. and you're running your own brokerage. Is that a good summary? Yeah. Yeah. There's more to it than that, but yeah, that's a, yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. So, um, so that's kind of your, your story up till now. Um, I know you've already touched on it a little bit. Tell us, um, what is it, what's your bread and butter right now? What is it that you guys that you're doing, um, in investing? Well, we do a lot. Uh, my firm, we, we do property management and we also do residential sales. So I have that going on. So I train agents on being successful and we help other people invest in real estate, but we've scaled from you know, multifamily long-term rentals into even leveraging Airbnb opportunities. Oh, wow. So um, 
and just figuring out all that stuff that I, I don't really have any bread and butter. I guess the bread and butter is just cash flow. You know, does this <laughs> business cash flow doesn't matter. Airbnb long-term, uh, you know, single family home, multifamily bread and butter is cash flow. I like it. Um, so, I mean, out of all those different avenues, which one would you consider to be, um, either the most reliable or just the one that you prefer the most? Uh, for me, and it's the way I got started and what I feel like I'm very confident in is just multifamily, uh, real estate investing. Uh, but the Airbnb was great. I mean, that was a huge opportunity, but whenever COVID came around, it really hindered that business model. Uh, but yeah, I'd say multifamily buy and hold real estate. Sweet. Um, I want to go into actually both of those because those are, I'm sure there are a lot of, um, people who will be listening who have been affected by owning an Airbnb. Um, so kind of tell us, uh, you know, before COVID, um, why did you choose to get into Airbnb and how, you know, how does that business model work? I've never done one myself. Um, and then, you know, how did it affect you once COVID started? Yeah. So Airbnb business out here in the Springs, is very, uh, market-based, but Colorado Springs is a very fast growing area. Um, and the Airbnb business was, it was really booming. Like I know investors who were just snatching up houses and investments strictly for vacation rentals. And before COVID, uh, I think in a couple of months I had like four days of a vacancy, which I have Airbnbs cl close to downtown Colorado Springs. Uh, and then whenever COVID came about, it's like, you know, three weeks of a vacancy. Uh, so that's, it's a lot of money lost. Uh, obviously, COVID really hindered travel opportunities and people are, are not traveling as much due to the restrictions and everything else that's going on. Um, and something, so I don't know if I can answer your question uh, fully because wealth is created through networks of people. And so I have property managers in place. I have cleaners and vendors in place to take care of those things. Um, so I got a lot of this, all this stuff delegated, but I have a system in place to to be successful. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, I mean, you, you got systems up and running already, which, you know, every, um, every real estate investor, that's the ultimate goal is to have systems that take care of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, what are the, the, what are the main levers in actually, okay. You, you've done multifamily real estate, so you know what just a, a standard, um, you know, rental, how that operates. So how is it different owning an Airbnb versus owning a, you know, a standard single family multifamily rental? long-term room. Well, the, the turnover costs are high, you, you know, the resources it takes constantly turning over a property. Uh, you got to take that in consideration. It has to be, it has to be a well leveraged system because if something fails through, it's just going to domino effect to the next tenant that comes in and they give you bad reviews. It's going to hurt your business, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the biggest thing is the, the turnover costs. Obviously if you have a long-term tenant, say six, 12 months, uh, the operations are fairly slow, you know, collect your rents, make sure you stay on top of maintenance, uh, but it's long-term, it's secure. Obviously, Airbnb uh, is not as secure, but in certain markets, it's very secure, low vacancy rates. But uh, the biggest thing is the turnover cost because whenever someone leaves, you got you need someone in there to clean the place, sanitize the place now, especially with COVID, uh, and have it ready within a couple of hours. And it has to be you know on the spot repeatedly on top of it. Uh, so those costs and those resources are, are, are much higher. But then again, high risk, high return, because uh, your rental rates are, for me, about twice as much, maybe oh, wow. a little bit more than a long-term rental. Yeah. 
So, you know, you have a long-term rental and say it rents for a thousand. After my operational costs, I make about 2000 with uh, vacation rentals. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. So, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't just hire a standard property manager um, to, to take care of an Airbnb. So do you, do you have a team of people um, that is within your own business to, to manage Airbnb or do you uh, yeah. outsource that one? I have a, well, uh, both. I have a business partner that takes care of all the property management operations. And then we have a, a list of vendors um, to take care of cleaning and maintenance and things like that. So we have really good relationships with people because again, wealth is created through networks of people and we need good people in our businesses to, to help flourish so that everybody wins, you know? I love it. I love it. Um, so in, so let's say you get, you rent your out your Airbnb and you already have the systems in place. Um, and it just, the, the, the turnover is going to be a little bit higher, but, um, what's the margin. So usually with a single family, I usually, um, when I'm buying them, I, I expect a 40%, um, operating expense ratio. Um, what is the operating expense ratio when it comes to, um, Airbnbs? Um, I would say 30, 40, man, 40 is pretty high, but I'm thinking around 35% for me. Yeah. A so that bit sounds about the same as a uh, single family then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But your, op- your operating expense, say 30% of a thousand dollars is obviously, you know, 300 bucks, 30%, but uh, yeah. Uh, but then if you've got an Airbnb, maybe it's making two grand, 30%, that's $600 a month. So the percent is fairly fixed, but the, the income, the moving numbers of, you know, money is higher too. So higher, higher returns, also higher expenses. So yeah. Gotcha. I like it. Yeah. 30, 30 to 40 seems to be my, my going number two. When you compensate for vacancies and maintenance and, uh, you know, managing it, whether you try to landlord yourself or pay a manager, it's going to cost you whichever way. Uh, but I mean, really the gold nuggets getting a good property manager. I mean, a good property manager is worth gold because they can keep your maintenance costs reduced. They can also keep your vacancies reduced if they have marketing skill sets and things like that. Absolutely. I, I cannot stress that one enough. Um, for anybody new listening, having a good property manager is clutch when it comes to um, having an actual passive investment versus something that you have to really uh, be hands on with. Um, so on that note, I mean, you, you run a property management company um, that was even your first failure. So you have some really good uh, experience there. Um, tell us like what, what, what makes a good property manager? Like what is what should investors be looking for um, when they are trying to identify a property management company to hire? Yeah, Ooh, that's a real loaded question. And I don't, I don't, there's a bunch of correct answers, but um, a good property manager, you know, a good property manager keeps your operational costs low. They work for your benefit. They work for you. Uh, but if you don't know what that, number is kind of like me and you just threw out 30, 40% for operational costs. If you don't understand these numbers, that's something you need to understand, but a good property manager keeps those numbers low, keeps your vacancy rates low, keeps your maintenance costs low. They they're in a position to help maintain your property as well as uh, hold tenants accountable for what, you know, they should be responsible for. So those are the type of things you have to look for in a property manager. And it's, it's kind of hard to see uh, up front and, Honestly, it's kind of one of those experience things that sometimes if you don't know a property manager, you just got to kind of talk to people and, and take some risk and gain some experience. Uh, 
because it's, it's really hard to find really good, competent property managers because it can be a very stressful, hard job. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I give any property manager um, props uh, that's listening to the show because that is very difficult. I uh, managed my own properties for a while and um, it's hard. I mean, people call you at, at odd hours um, about weird things and, uh, and you just kind of got a, it's, it's almost like babysitting at some points, um, but it's, it's, it's a tough job. And so having a, a very solid team um, to, to do that for you is, is, I mean, you said it, it's gold. So you, you got to have that in your corner for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So going back to your, your investing side, um, even, even the Airbnb. So what do you do? I mean, there's a, there's a process when it comes to taking a property on, stabilizing it um, and experiencing the actual cash flow. So at the very beginning of that process is finding a property, financing that property. Um, what do you do and how do you finance the properties that you, uh, that you do take on? So what's your, what's your marketing strategy um, and how do you find them? Do you do off market, on market? Um, and then how do you finance them once you do find them? It really depends. Um, it's too easy for me to just do traditional lending um, and getting properties that are actually on the market, mainly because I work in the industry. And uh, I, uh, some people can easily argue, well, if it's on the market, you're not going to get the best deal. But if you know how to optimize the income, the cash flow, look at, you know, look at ways of increasing your income and decreasing your expenses. You can look at a property and say, it's going to do this long-term. Is there Airbnb opportunities there? Is there opportunity to furnish the the property to where it produces more rent? And so, you know, find, find a property, analyze the numbers and take, go, go the traditional route and get lending. Or I have used hard money lenders before in the past. Um, but, my business, my business is so spread out. So I got investing on one side, but I'm also a real estate professional. So I had to market my business there. And I'm also mentoring and helping other agents be successful. And, you know, I got a partner that takes care of property management. So there's a lot of moving parts, but for me, I don't have to sit down and like market for properties because I work in the industry. I can jump right here. I can, I know how to find what I'm looking for, but that just comes with time and skill sets and having the advantage of actually working in the industry to help more people and help myself as well. Hmm, I like that. And you, you mentioned something in your response. You said furnished properties. Um, I'm just kind of interested, interested in that personally. I, I never have done that. I've always just rented out the, the property itself, but um, I've heard of people furnishing properties. Uh, why, how, how much of a jump do you see usually in, in rent? And um, is it, do you, do you prefer furnishing the properties or not? Again, it depends on the market. You know, if you're close to the college, it might work. Might not prefer furnishing a property uh, because it seems like the majority of the market has their own furnishings. The majority uh, in my area, anyways, I do have furnished rentals, but not all of them are because the majority of the market has their own furniture. But you spend a thousand dollars or more or say two that whatever your number is it seems like we get about an extra 150 200 dollars a month if it's fully furnished you know okay that's not bad that's not bad yeah and a long time ago i read somewhere i might have been a robert kiyosaki thing but just like one thing to stay uh to keep furnished typically is a washer and dryer and you know you can get on like craigslist get a good cheap used washer and dryer and then uh, typically 
you can get an extra 15 to $50 a month just by providing a washer and dryer. So it's a good return on investment. Whenever you analyze these little investments, it's a, it's a good return. So you should take that in consideration. But when it comes to furnishing, it really depends on the market. You know, that's a, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I will definitely second um, the washer dryer comment that you made there. Um, I, I always, I always provide washer dryer and I feel like it's uh, my, my, um, units are maybe on the market for a seven days, maybe like a week before they're rented. Um, never longer than that. And so I, uh, I really support um, putting water dryer in there for sure. That's awesome. Um, all right. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here. Um, we've heard a bit about your business, about how you run it, um, Airbnb, multifamily, and you got the property management and the brokerage. So you're doing a lot of things. Um, but I want to get a little bit more into, you know, your stories, your experiences, um, we all know, you know, real estate is, it's a roller coaster. You got your ups, you got your downs, um, you know, it's almost daily. So uh, kind of take us to, to the, to the bottom. Um, you said you've had an, a failure before. So take us there and tell us, um, you know, what's the big lesson that you pulled from that? Um, well, to sound confident, not necessarily cocky or maybe a little bit cocky, but whenever I got, I decided to get out of service because I was, um, just gung-ho, full focus, full effort in, in the military. But when I started investing in real estate, like I said, I started uh, seeing big opportunities. So I, I decided to get out of the service. But when I got out of the service, in my mind, I was like, no one's going to outwork me. Because um, I started going to get my grad degree, my master's degree in real estate construction management at the University of Denver. I even was applying for my PhD. Uh, I got my MBA in marketing. But when I got out of the service, you know, it was, it was a very hard transition for me that first year because I joined the army right after high school, 17 years old. So that's really all I've ever known. Damn. So yeah, so from, so from 17 to, uh, you know, 27, 28, that's all I knew. And then I get out of the army, I became a uh, licensed real estate professional. I bought a property management franchise. I was new in this industry and, um, there's bad or, there's bad people in every profession, put it that way. But I got out, and to make a long story short, I got tangled up with a very, very toxic brokerage. And I didn't know any better because I was, you know, kind of new to the industry. And I had this franchise, and it was costing me money every month. And then just being in real estate costs you money every month. And then I went from a job where I had all the security in the world to where now I have all the freedom in the world, no security. <laughs> um so I was losing money every month with the franchise, and I had, uh, you know, some bad tenants that caused a lot of damage, trying to cut costs, be a landlord myself, and learn property management at the same time. And then I had a contractor rip me off. I, I mean, the story just goes and goes. So I hit rock bottom because in my mind, when I got out of the service, I was like, I'm never going to work a regular job again unless it's something I'm absolutely passionate about. And I'm just going to kill it in business and real estate. But that first year, I lost every, you know, my, the money I got from deployments. You know, I mean, I, I was in some dangerous situations for all my money I invested, but I lost lost almost everything. I didn't go uh, bankrupt or anything, but I lost all my, my cash in that year. And I had to go get a job. I had to go be a college instructor for a little while and then, you know, still keep my foot in the door with real estate, being a realtor. And trying to hold on and maintain all my investments when everything, I felt like everything was just crumbling down. It was a very, very, very stressful time, very expensive experience, but I, I learned a lot from it. I stayed in the business. I got with a new uh, real estate firm 
and I was finishing up my MBA in marketing. And when I implemented what I learned in marketing in my business, my realtor business, that's when things took off. Um, Cause I was a full-time grad student working part-time at a college and being a part-time realtor and being an investor on the side. Um, so I got rid of the, uh, the, that franchise. And then a year later I made uh, really good money working part-time. That's when I took a three month long vacation. I went and lived in Thailand for two months uh, in an MMA, MMA camp. Uh, as I told you, I had a Muay Thai fight over there. I was looking at real estate in Thailand. Uh, and I'm, what I'm getting at is that things can change pretty, pretty quickly. Like I had a horrible downswing and then the year later, you know, I just keep grinding, keep learning, keep growing, even past the setbacks. Uh, and then like I had my best year ever in real estate. And then I bought another franchise with all the experience and knowledge I've gained. And now here I am doing pretty well. That's awesome. I love it. So, I mean, you said it yourself, you're, you, you everything was kind of imploding in on you. And I've had that experience myself. Um, but if you, I mean, the, the, the lesson that I pulled from it, and I think you mentioned it too, is just keep, keep going. Just don't, don't give up, keep your eye on the goal. Um, even when, you know, shit is just crushing down on you just keep pushing forward. And, uh, and eventually, you know, the light's gonna, light's gonna shine through and you're gonna make it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, that's the trough. We all have them. Um, we also have peaks. So, you know, take us to the top. Um, why are you in real estate? What gets you out of the bed? You know, why, why do you love it so much? Well, I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't say I love real estate so much. I love helping people. That's what's in it for me. And so I, I consult and advise investors. I consult and advise, you know, first time home buyers, home sellers, all of them and just trying to educate and empower the consumer on the opportunities in real estate and what they can do. Um, but it's mainly about just helping people. I've also scaled into financial planning. I help people plan for retirement uh, because I got the, you know, I got access to all these different products, but then on top of that, I have experience and education in rental portfolios as well as business. And, you know, you can create wealth pretty fast in real estate and businesses. But again, if you have the setbacks, you got to keep persevering, have that tenacity. Because at the end of the day, you can cut out the noise. And the only thing that matters is math and heart. That's it. Math and heart. And you can make it work. I love that. Math and heart. That's a good, uh, that should be a shirt, real estate investing shirt, math, math and heart. Yeah. Um, all right. So. I'm going to take it back just one second. Um, when you were talking about the, when you were talking about the low point, you mentioned that things started kind of the turnaround for you because, um, you know, once you got that MBA in marketing and you, and you learned tactics, um, in marketing, and that's actually kind of how I got my start in real estate investing. I was in digital marketing and, and I got really good at that. Um, so kind of tell us like, what is it? Um, what are the most effective, tools that you learned and implemented in your business that, that kind of, you know, you know, turned, turned the corner, you know, brought your business to the next level. It's too easy, man. Um, so I hit rock bottom and I was working on my MBA in marketing. And then I finally got to the point where I realized how I could make the connection of what I was learning in marketing and implement it in my real estate business, being a, a realtor. So because when I was studying marketing, you know, they kind of teach you how to be a white collar marketing director for a big firm. The fundamentals are there to help you with any business, but it's really geared towards being a marketing director. So it was hard for me to make the connections. And I finally made the connection 
on designing an IMC, integrated marketing campaigns or integrated marketing communications. Uh, and so everything started turning around when I designed an entire IMC for my business because Harvard Review and all the empirical evidence was showing that the businesses that grew the most had entire marketing plans. It wasn't necessarily one thing. And so the return on investment of where I've seen that my business grew is just, I did a whole IMC in line with the six pillars of marketing, which is public relations, personal selling, digital marketing, direct mail, uh, sales promotions, and advertisements. That's the six pillars. So you need something in all six of those. They need to be interconnected. And whenever people get into my marketing campaigns, it's hard to forget about me because I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm in your emails, <laughs> I have email marketing campaigns, my social media marketing is going on. All that's digital media. And if I got your address, I'm mailing you stuff, trying to mail you value, market analysis of your home, professional equity assessment reports of your home. Um, you go around, you might see my face somewhere on an advertisement. I'm just constantly leaving these impressions on the consumer's mind to where as soon as they have a real estate need, I'm top of mind. IMC is where where my business turned. Whenever I implemented uh, an entire marketing plan, an educated marketing plan in line with IMC, that's when my business took off. And it specifically adapts to the imposed demands you put on it, just like in fitness, the said principles, specific adaptations to imposed demands. Your business will do the same thing if you market appropriately. I love it. I love it. And actually, one of the one of the things that um, when I was first studying marketing, one of the things that kind of stuck with me um, and still sticks with me today is that uh, somebody needs to see your see your company, see your message seven times before it even you know gets into their consciousness, before they it even registers. Um, right. So you really do. Uh, I've never heard uh, of it called integrated marketing campaigns. Um, I always just kind of thought of using every channel available. Um, but I like that. I like that. And I mean, it's super important because you need to get those seven touch points. You can't, um, you can't just put your ad out there once because people, it's not even going to get in their consciousness and it's not even going to register. Um, so that's, that's great. I like that a lot. Um, all right. So we've kind of gone through your stories. Um, we've gone through your spirit, your business. Um, we're, we're kind of nearing the end here, but before we, before we close the doors, um, I want to take it back a little bit. Um, you know, back to the Joe who just bought his first triplex, um, you know, way back when, if you could go give him one piece of advice going forward um, in real estate, what would it be? <sighs> mm. Do your due diligence, but don't get caught up in paralysis by overanalysis. I guess that's, that's the, um, th- the main thing, you know, like I, I no. can't, I, I did the best I could. I couldn't have done anything different. And part of my stuff was lack of due diligence, but at the same time, you got to pull the trigger at some point. And sometimes you have to make bad decisions and get that experience to to really learn, to really grow. But it, it really comes down to that. Do your due diligence, but don't get paralyzed by overanalyzing everything. Yeah, I, uh, I that is really good advice. And you're the first one to, to say that advice on the show. Um, and I, I think it's super important because – I, I mean, I've been in that situation so many times. There's a very fine balance between the two, um, between, you know, convincing yourself that it's a, it is an actual investment and then just, just doing it, just pulling the trigger. Um, you got to have them both, but it's really difficult. You got to get in the sweet spot because um, too much is over analysis, too little. You're just being an idiot. So yep. um, I like that. 
All right, Joe, we all need things um, ourselves. So if somebody were to bring you something, what would you want to receive? If somebody was to bring me something? Yep, deals, referrals, um, anything like that. What are you looking for? Man, I'm, I'm looking to help people. I'm looking to help people buy, sell, invest in real estate and uh, financial products to improve their retirement planning and retirement portfolios. Uh, but I mean, I'm pretty good. I, got, I don't have a serious need. I'm, I'm here trying to provide needs to others. I love it. All right. So if somebody did want to get, get a hold of you, um, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, call me 719-201-5862. You can give me a call or shoot me an email, josephmcneil at realtor.com. Perfect. Sounds good. Um, well, Joe, I, I know I can speak uh, for everybody listening and watching. Um, I really appreciated talking with you and I'm sure everybody listening and watching appreciated the knowledge that you gave. Um, so thanks for coming on. And uh, for everybody else, um, you've got Joe's, uh, Joe's number there. So shoot him a text, shoot him a little smiley face, say thanks for being on the show. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for joining us on the Real Estate Investing Club. If you feel we provided value, we would appreciate it if you hit that thumbs up, share it with your friends online, whatever it may be. If you'd like to share or partner with us on an investment deal, we are always looking for quality projects go to www.therealestateinvestingclub.com to get in contact with one of our partners. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form, fill that out, and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.